All right, everybody, if you've got a Bible, get it out. We're going to be going to Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, going through verse 37. Luke 4, 14 through verse 37. Let's read it together. I know it's a little bit of a chunk, but we can do this. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him! Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I know we read a lot of scripture, but what I want to do in this message is I want to look at some of the ways that people respond to Jesus. And again, we want to ask ourselves some questions in this journey as we look at Jesus and how Jesus lived and what Jesus taught and what Jesus said he was doing and all these things. We want to find out, like, what do we need to know about Jesus and what in turn does that make me need to know about myself? What do I need to know about Jesus and what 
does that also mean that I need to know about me? So I got a couple of things that I want to share with you. The first one is this. Sometimes, sometimes we're going to love what Jesus says. Sometimes we're going to love what Jesus says. In verse 22 of chapter 4, it said this, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Sometimes we're going to love what we hear Jesus say. Gracious meant the state of kindness and favor towards someone, often with a focus on a benefit given to the object. People were like, man, what he says is so kind, and we feel so much favor with him. Like he's giving us something, right? When Jesus spoke, the people were amazed at the kindness and favor shown towards them. Something was different about Jesus from all the other teachers or rabbis. See, when Jesus spoke, you felt like you were loved and cared for. Jesus' words weren't just instructing you, teaching you how to live, what's wrong and right. They were comforting you. You felt loved when you heard what he said. We would have felt the same way, I think. Even now, as we read these words, we should feel this way because this is what Jesus said about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That sounds like great news to me as well. I'm grateful that Jesus has showed up to do these things. And he wants to do these things in my life and in your life. And man, I love it when I hear what Jesus says that he wants to do for me. Sometimes, we see this in these scriptures, sometimes what Jesus says, man, it's just so full of love and it's so comforting and so gracious that we're just left in awe that he would be that way towards us. But sometimes... Sometimes we might get angry at what Jesus says. In verse 28 of Luke 4, it said, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. We just went from people being amazed at how gracious the words coming from Jesus' lips were to now they're absolutely furious at what Jesus has said. This is the exact same crowd of people who were just amazed at how gracious and kind Jesus' words were, by the way. But what happened? What's the difference? What, what made them flip from loving what Jesus said to now being furious at what Jesus said? And what happened was Jesus spoke something that went against their beliefs about God and their place in the world. Jesus, I've come to do all this amazing good stuff. And the people are like, yes, this is amazing. Tell us more. And then immediately Jesus challenges their idea of what God is actually doing in the world. And their place in the world. Essentially, Jesus told them that God is for more than just Israel. That God has always been about more than just Israel. That the good news of God is for everyone. And then Jesus references two people. 
specifically two people from Old Testament stories who were both outsiders when it came to the Old Testament covenant people, known as God's chosen people, the Israelites. Jesus tells the story of two people that weren't a part of that covenant people. They weren't in the in group, yet God cared for these people as well. In fact, Jesus really pushes it hard because he points out the fact that none of the Israelites got what God did for these two outsiders. Ouch. Ouch. Sometimes what Jesus says is going to challenge us. It's going to hurt us. And you know what it needs to? There's this quote by Tim Keller. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. In other words, if every time we open up the scriptures and we read what God is speaking to us, if every time we just walk away going, oh, I feel so wonderful, I feel so loved, I feel so all this, that, and the other thing, then we're not really seeing what God's saying because oftentimes in the scriptures, God's letting us know that he's come to rescue us, he's come to do good things in our life, he's come to restore, right, to bring us back into his kingdom, into his light and his glory and his goodness. But we have to realize that part of what he's rescuing us from is our own evil, our own sin, our own part in which we contribute to the pain and violence in this world, that we don't see ourselves as separated from what is wrong with the world, but that we acknowledge that we are part of what's wrong with the world. So, so when Jesus rebukes us, when he comes and he gets in our space a little bit and he challenges us and he lets us know, hey, I'm here to rescue you, but I'm not just here to rescue you from how you're being hurt and, 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 and violence is happening to you and people are treating you. I'm also here to rescue you from how you're doing that to other people. And I want you to know that God's always been doing this. That yes, there was a chosen people, the Israelites, but you were chosen so that through you, right, through Abraham, that all nations of the earth might be blessed. It's almost as if Israel had missed the part that, that God wanted from the very beginning. His desire was to bring in all peoples. And Israel somehow got confused, and so Jesus confronts it, and he challenges it. And I love that Luke, and the way he orchestrates how he writes this, he's putting these stories just bam, bam. He's letting us see that people were amazed at his words, and then immediately they're, they're, they're mad. They're ready to march Jesus off a hill and kill him because he got in their space, and he, and he messed with their own view of themselves. You know, Jesus is going to do that sometimes. Sometimes you're going to love what Jesus has to say because he's, he's full of grace. He's also full of truth. And he loves us enough to not let us live in self-deception. Jesus is going to challenge us. He's going to call us into the light. He's here to rescue and to restore. And part of that rescue and restoration is him calling us out from our part of how the world needs to be made right. It's interesting to me that no one tried to kill Jesus when he told them that they would all have to die to become his disciples. Like, Jesus told them, like, hey, if you want to follow, you got to be willing to die. Nobody was killing Jesus over that. It was only when God loves other people just like he loves them that they wanted to kill Jesus. In other words, when Jesus said, you're not as special as you think you are, that's when they got mad at him. They were fine with, they were willing to accept, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to die. They were good with that. But the moment Jesus starts to say God cares about more than just you, 
Like that enemy that you have that you just wish God would just destroy, right? The moment Jesus said God loves that person just the same as he loves you, now all of a sudden they're ready to kill Jesus over it. I just find, I find that interesting. So sometimes we're going to love what we hear Jesus say. Sometimes what Jesus says is going to make us mad. We're going to get mad. Sometimes, though, sometimes we'll be amazed at the authority and power of what Jesus says. And I, I love this part specifically. In verse 36, it said, All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. See, Jesus doesn't just say nice things. Jesus has the power to do what he says. And this is something that amazes the crowd because anyone can talk the talk, but the one who can walk the talk is worth following. And Jesus is doing what he said he would do when he spoke in the synagogue. He's setting people free. Remember in the first story when people fell in love with his words, Jesus said, I've come to set people free. I've come to, essentially it's this, I've come to rescue people and to let them know God is rescuing them. God loves them. God's here to rescue. That's what my mission here is on this earth. And then Jesus goes about and he starts doing it. But Jesus didn't say that that's what he was coming to do. Jesus actually had the authority and the power to go do it. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's cleansing lepers. He's proclaiming good news. He's forgiving people of their sins. I mean, Jesus is doing what he said he would do. Sometimes we're going to be left in awe and wonder at the power and authority of Jesus. And I would say as Jesus followers, our goal is to become more and more left in awe and wonder at the power of what Jesus is capable of, the authority that he has. Here's the big truth that I want to show you. And I think that this is maybe what Luke was trying to get us to when he orchestrates his letter in such a way to show us these three stories back to back to back. That we get a story where people love the graciousness of Jesus' words. Then we immediately get a story of how people are flaming mad at what Jesus has to say. And that immediately takes us into a story where people are left in awe and wonder at the power and authority that Jesus has with his words. That Jesus' words actually can make things happen in reality, that he can speak it into reality, speak things into existence. Jesus' words are powerful, and I think here's the point, is that we need all of what Jesus says. That as Jesus followers and maybe as people who, who haven't yet come to put our faith in Jesus, maybe we're still wondering, we need all of what Jesus says, that none of us is going to be okay just hearing the good stuff. And there's plenty of good stuff. And my argument is even the stuff that gets in our crawl and ticks us off a little bit, it's still good because we need to hear it. Why? Because it's truth. Jesus, again, full of grace and truth, right? We love the good stuff, but we need the harsh critique that Jesus is going to bring sometimes too because we need to see reality for what it is and we need to see ourselves for what we are so that we understand how much we need Jesus. We need all of what Jesus says to us. In John's gospel, in chapter 1, verses 14 
And then 17 and 18, John writes this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God, as in, and, in, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Are Jesus' words full of grace? Yes. Jesus' words are full of kindness and love. Are Jesus' words full of truth? Yes. Jesus' words are full of truth. And sometimes the truth we need to hear isn't the truth we want to hear. Are Jesus' words full of power and authority? Yes. Jesus' words have the power and authority to do what he says. When Jesus declares freedom, you are free. When Jesus speaks healing, you are healed. When Jesus speaks life, death surrenders its hold. We need all of what Jesus says. Jesus is full of grace and truth. We can't get one without the other. And here's the question for us today. Are we listening to all that Jesus is speaking? Are we listening to all that Jesus is speaking? In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If we want life to the full, we can't pick and choose what we listen to. We have to take the gracious, kind words of Jesus right along with the sometimes painful truths of Jesus. Here's the key to accepting the sometimes painful words of Jesus. Remember, everything Jesus teaches is full of grace and truth. And its intention is to lead you into the good life. You and I cannot have the good life Jesus wants us to have without us accepting some of the hard things that Jesus will speak to us. We need it all. We need everything that Jesus says because if you're contributing to the darkness, to the evil, to the wicked, to the violence, to the sin, to the hurt, to the pain that's happening in the world, Jesus is going to confront that because he's truth. He's going to call you out on it. He's going to bring conviction through the Spirit to let you know that what you're doing isn't right, and it's actually what God is going to destroy. God's going to destroy everything that causes pain and suffering and sorrow. That's not going to endure in His eternal kingdom. And Jesus is trying to lead us out of it so His truth will confront it. But in His truth, He's full of grace. And it's grace because Jesus says, I know that you can't do this without me. So I'll give you everything that you need to overcome if you'll trust in me. It's truth because he won't let us continue in the wickedness and in the sin and in our role in perpetuating evil and pain and hurt and sorrow into the world. He won't allow us to keep doing that unchecked. He's going to confront it. But it's grace because when he confronts it, he comes alongside and says, now I'm full of forgiveness and mercy. And I'm full of grace to empower you to walk free of it.
We need all of what Jesus has. I want you to know today, students, that Jesus is going to say things to you that are so loving and so caring and so comforting that you just eat it up and you can't get enough of it. Jesus will sometimes say things to you that are going to challenge you and get in your crawl and sometimes make you a little angry that he's calling you out on something. But I want you to know in all of it that Jesus has authority and power to do what he says. And if he comes in, and he comforts you, and he encourages you, and he calls out something in you that needs to be removed, he has the power to set you free, to forgive you, and to empower you to live the new way that he's leading you to. And his ultimate destination for each one of your lives is the good life. And to find the good life that God wants for you, you have to have all that Jesus says to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you that your son's words are loving and gracious and kind and comforting. I thank you that Jesus loves us enough because you love us enough that you won't allow us to deceive ourselves, that you will confront us with hard truth sometimes to, in an effort, in an attempt to lead us to the good life. I thank you that Jesus' words have authority and a power behind them, that when he speaks, things happen. When Jesus speaks, change is happening and life is coming and restoration is taking place in our lives. So I pray over every student today that they would receive the loving, gracious, kind words of their Savior. I pray that today that every heart would be open to the truth, even the painful truth that Jesus must confront us with sometimes. And I pray that over all of it, that the grace of Jesus would cover it and that we would know that if Jesus is confronting it, he's got the power to bring freedom and new life to us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.